All right, probably the best place to start is to pray. So, um, and I always like to, you know, delegate that responsibility. So is there anybody that feels particularly led to pray for us this evening and for our conversation? Nobody? All right, then I'll pray. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We, we just thank you, Father, for um, uh, being able to come and learn more about your word and, and the book of Ezra, Lord God. And um, we thank you for everyone that's here tonight. And um, I just pray for that our conversation would be encouraging and uplifting and that we would uh, uh, come away with a little bit more... Um, more of knowledge of who you are and, and how it applies to our lives. And we, uh, we just thank you. We pray that you'd bless Pastor John and Brian and jo- uh, Jamie while they're overseas, Lord God, and uh, uh, just protect them as they travel around. And we pray that you would uh, give them a great time and, and fellowship. And uh, I just uh, I thank you that your spirit is moving even, even before them, Lord God, preparing the way. And uh, so we thank you for for encouraging them and uplifting them as well. Uh, we thank you for, for all that you do and all and for who you are. We, we praise you and give you all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, please behave for the substitute. We don't want to see any papers being thrown around or spitballs or anything like that. You know how people can kind of act up when the substitute teacher is around. So, but uh, obviously we, you're talking about the book of Ezra and, um, and I think he left off at about chapter 3, verse 12. Is that correct? Does that sound about right? So, um, so far, and, and that really this is just kind of a, I mean it's meant to be a survey, so we're Hopefully, you know, we'll get as much out of this as we can, but, you know, I mean, you can only delve so much into it, so we'll try to hit some of the highlights, and there's a lot of stuff here that we could really get into, but, and then feel free to interject wherever and however you want, um, if you have, um, you know, any comments or, or any, any thoughts on, on things as we talk about it, but. Um, so this is just kind of a flyby, and we have you know six chapters to go through, so in an hour and a half, which is a ton. So, <laughs> so we'll, be, we'll we'll see what we can do here, but hopefully we can hopefully we can get through most of it. But so uh, you left off on chapter three, and um, prior to that, you know, I was talking about uh, you know Cyrus and how he helped the help the exiles return, um, and I think he. He said there's a list of a bunch of people in chapter two, and then uh, and then chapter three is really you know, just rebuilding rebuilding the temple um, or the altar and the temple. Um, so we we leave off kind of there and and uh, um, kind of as the, as the temple has been rebuilt, um, it, it just gives an example or talks about how um, in chapter twelve how the the older priests and the Levites and family heads um, and kind of their reaction um, and the different reactions to to the temple being being built. So I don't know, does he, has Pastor John been reading it uh, chapter by chapter or just kind of going through it and talking about it? Okay. So, um, so anyway, so given an overview um, in chapter 12, just kind of, again, talking about how the, the different... Um, 
different reactions um, to the to the completion there, and, and it says that the old men who had seen the first temple wept with a loud voice when the formation of the of this temple was laid before their eyes. Um, and some of the note there, they said that um, it talks about how the how the older men probably um, stood at that very spot um, a half a century before. Um, and, and in agony of despair, while they saw the cruel flames, um, you know, burning the burning the old temple, black, you know, and things like that. They talk about black smoke and you know all that kind of stuff. So it, it, it gives kind of a um, description of what might have happened, what they might have seen. And so, in their um, in their weeping, it was you know it was it was kind of a, um, tears of joy, obviously, you know, and and. and um, it was probably something that they saw as, you know, maybe they never thought they'd see it happen, you know, the rebuilding of the temple again and, and you know, the agony of being in exile and whatnot. Um, and there's an interesting note that they have that um, it was probably the, the modern-day equivalent that, the, after all, King Solomon spent the modern-day equivalent of 5 to $8 billion on the first temple. Um, so... You know, they go and he goes and talks about how you know this probably was not quite as you know the same kind of splendor that the first temple was built in Solomon's day, but compared to what they had at the time, it was pretty magnificent. So, um, uh, anyway, I just want to read a quote um, from I'm not sure who the guy, what the guy's Morgan is his last name, we'll just say that. But there was a there was a danger in their weeping. The backward look which discounts uh, the backward look which discounts present activity is always a peril. Regrets over the past which paralyze work in the present are always wrong. Moreover, all such regrets, as in this case, are in danger of blinding the eyes to the true value and significance of the present. So, in other words, he's you know he's saying that you know that kind of they're looking back and 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 feeling bad about what happened in the past rather than rejoicing in what happened in the future so or in the, in the present and, and how it's going to play out in the future. But then in contrast, it talks about the younger people and how they rejoiced and they, they shouted for joy. And, uh, the, um, you know, probably had no remembrance of the prior temple um, so that, you know, it was nothing but just pure joy for them to, to see this uh, restoration of the temple and its, and its worship. So... Um, uh, and then it talks about how you know they couldn't discern between the two, you know, because they were both loud. So as I can say, it almost to me, it's like you know they lined up on two sides, and <laughs> you got the old guys, you know, wailing and mourning, and you got the young guys, you know, screaming for shouting for joy. Kind of the picture that I got. But anyway, so then as they, um, you know, as they go, it, actually the the temple hadn't been completed at this point, but it had been had been started anyway. Um, because it goes on and talks about then the opposition in uh, chapter 4 it talks about the opposition of the rebuilding um, and uh, and the adversaries that kind of rose up um, to the to the building of the temple and 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 who they were and why why that why they why they rose up um, in chapters uh, in chapter 4 1 through I guess it's first first and second verse um, talks about that um, these were most these were probably the early Samaritans, um, those who were brought into the lands of the former kingdom of Israel after its fall 
to the Assyrians. Uh, they intermarried uh, with those that were left behind from the exile. Uh, in the two generations of exile after the fall of the kingdom of Judah, they had also uh, expanded somewhat into the lands of Judah. So um, these were the early, kind of considered the early Samaritans, as we know that the Samaritans were kind of also referred to in the New Testament. Um, so, you know, there was there's some, some parallel, some, some correlation there from, from the old to the new. Um, most Jews, and there's a no. This is most Jews in Jesus' time despised the Samaritans even more than Gentiles because they were religious, religiously speaking, quote unquote, half breeds, um, who had an eclectic, mongrel faith. So, in other words, it was kind of mixed. You know, they, they, they because they mixed with the Israelites, um, they took on some of the Israelite faith, some of the Israelites' religious traditions. And, and yet they still worship the idols. And so, as we see coming up later, um, you know, as Ezra kind of enters the scene, you know, this, this is a real problem for, for him and for the, for the Israelites. Um, we'll kind of get, hopefully get there in a, in a little bit. But um, uh, some, some interesting things to note, um, and feel free to pipe in at any time, don't I? Don't have to keep talking because sometimes I get tired of talking too. I, I get tired of hearing myself talk. <clears throat> but um, you may do nothing with with us. Uh, you may the the part of the verse. You may do nothing with us to build a house for our God. With one voice, they refused to help. They refused the help of the Samaritans. Uh, they did this knowing uh, they had the permission of King Cyrus, um, and and knowing they lacked both human and financial resources. So. So they came to him and said, "Hey, we want to help you. You know, let us help you." And they said, eh, no way. You know, they refused that the Samaritans help. So um, even though they they needed, they could have used the help and they could have used the, the resources. They they said they said no, and and really it was because they knew that if if the Samaritans were to help them, that they they would kind of have a right to you know worship at the temple. When it, when it was complete and, and the Israelites you know went after they came back from exile really understood that you know what we need to have this you know as a separate thing for, for us for the Israelites this is this is this is our deal here this we're not going to you know allow any of this other mixed faith so to speak into the temple so that was really the resistance for or part of the resistance why they and they said, you know, we don't want your help. So, um, also, it was an important step of faith to refuse a partnership they might that might seem helpful. Um, and we can imagine that there were a few uh, pragmatists among them who said, "quote We need we need any help we can get. We can guard we can guard ourselves against ungodly influence they may bring in weak or early." Circumstances of a building work, there is often a serious temptation to take any help and to ignore the dangers of unwise and, un- and ungodly partnerships. So again, um, you know, they knew where they stood. They knew where the where these kind of adversaries or these uh, this opposition stood, and they they uh, they didn't want to have any part of it. So they they they'd already come back from exile and and uh, didn't want to chance the fact that. Uh, God would turn them out again. So, um, anyway, um, another uh, another quote uh, from Aden- Adeni, 
um, said if they had taken an active share in labor of, and sacrifice of the construction of the temple, they could not have been excluded afterwards from taking part in temple worship. So, um, so there, you know, we see just kind of the commentary of, of you know, what, what the Israelites were trying to protect against. So, then in, uh, in verse 4 and 5, um, they, they, they say, okay, fine, you're not going to take our time, kind of take our help. We'll try to, well, we're going to try to figure out how we can make it, make it tough on you, make it rough on you. Um, so they, um, they, their intent was to, to discourage them, to, to uh, stir up contention and, and discontent and discourage them. Um, and so the response to, re, uh, to the refusal of partnership revealed their evil intent. Um, you know, they, they, they really didn't come with a good intention in the first place. And so when they re- were refused, their help was refused, their, their evil intention was then really made known, was really uh, exposed. So, um, so they began to lobby against them, in, uh, particularly in the court of, of King Cyrus. Um, and then, of course, uh, as, it, as it goes on through um, really 6 through 24, uh, it's just the, the later opposition under Xerxes and Artaxerxes. Um, and talks about, you know, how they wrote the letter to, to King Artaxerxes and, and that kind of thing and tells them, you know, it, I think it's interesting how they, how they kind of form their argument. And, you know, and they, they say... Um, uh, that uh, you know, basically, that the king that the king will be left without any power and uh, thank you. I should share that because if everybody doesn't have their own, sorry, should have dropped it. Thank you. Thanks, Deb. I would make a bit more work though, so I can drink. So. Chug it out. <laughs> <laughs> I never make these things big enough. <laughs> um, so anyway, so um, you know they, they they craft the letter to the to the king in a way that that you know convinces the king that oh this is going to be real trouble for you. They aren't going to pay taxes, and you're going to lose power, and they're going to. You know they're gonna they're gonna gain power for themselves, and you're gonna just lose total control over this area and this region. Hey, you better do something here. This is this is gonna be a problem for you. And so, of course, it's convincing enough that the uh, that the king tells them uh, sends sends word that uh, that they should stop immediately unless unless he says otherwise. Um, so. And in, in verse 24, it says, Thus the work, of, the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill in the second, until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So, um, so it was quite a, quite a while. I mean, he put a stop to it, and it, it stood still for, for quite a while. Um, obviously, the Israelites didn't want trouble but, and uh, knew that you know, they could be... Um, Overtaken at any moment, so they didn't. They didn't want to stir anything else up. Um, and then there's a quote from Kidner that uh, says, "It should hard. It should hardly need emphasizing that the walls and foundations are those of the city, not the temple. But the two operations are often confused. 
By the reign of Artaxerxes, the new temple had been standing for half a century. So, again, long time in between um, that that it that it waited to be completed. Things things needed to wait a long time before they continue. And then uh, I think at the uh, actual pronunciation of this guy's name. So. Um, I'm just going to call him, uh, I think it's, is it Tedanai? 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 Something like that. That dude wrote a letter. Wrote, wrote a letter. Does that sound right? Ted. Well, okay. That's what I was saying. That's what I was using it. Oh, right, okay. Tatanai. I didn't look up his actual pronunciation, like I say, but anyway. Um, writes a letter to Darius, and um, people wrote letters back then. Oh, what a concept! Yeah, I know. Isn't that funny? And they had, they had a mail service, apparently. Yeah, amazing. Um, no, if it was Pony Express at that time, but probably a little slower than that. Um, Camel Express. What's that? Camel, Camel. Ex- Camel Express. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they they uh, they get a they get you know they get a prophecy. Um, hey, guy. Prophesize and uh, and uh, they go, they decide to begin work on the on the on the house of God again in Jerusalem and uh, so they write he writes the letter um, and uh, Darius came to throne in the time of conflict and struggle therefore the Jews in Jerusalem started their work without receiving any permission from him and they did this when. They did this when he was uh, far too busy fighting for his throne to attend to the troubles of a small, distant city. So they kind of, it was kind of strategic on their part, you know. I mean, they kind of looked at it and said, hmm, I think we, we might have a little, little leverage here, a little, you know, a little uh, ground to, you know, start working. I mean, obviously, he wrote the letter. It probably took a long time to get to him, you know, to, to appeal to him. You know, they started working on it and, and figured, well, by the time it gets to him... <laughs> You know, we've done a lot of work. And so, you know, fortunately for them, um, it comes back it comes back favorable. Um, and uh, uh, Darius, Darius it makes a decree. So, so now we jump into six. So we're flying right along. <laughs> I told you. You're going way faster. Than <laughs> <time>. <laughs> so the, he told me i got to get through six to ten. I was like, okay, well, I still have four chapters left here. So anyway. Um, I spent a little more time probably on six or ten, but um, but anyway, so the decree of Darius comes through, and it's uh, again, it's a it's a favorable uh, decree for the Israelites. Uh, it indicates that there must have been some diligence required in the search when he when he decreed that there should be a search done um, to uh, find out. Uh, you know what what had been done in the past, and and you know what kind of decrees were were made previously, and and what kinds of things were allowed to the Israelites in in uh, you know previous under previous kings, um, and so um, this in and of itself was evidence of God's hand in the matter. Otherwise, they might have easily given up the search. So God was leading them. God was God was in the whole you know the whole thing. It was His hand was upon that. So and. You know, when we go back and you know we we read about that Haggai prophesied and 
and whatnot. I mean, they, they, they trusted in the Word of God and the Word of the Lord that came to them. And so, um, you know, they, they knew that God's, was, God's hand was in it and was upon it. And obviously this is clearly a sign that it was, that, um, you know, that Darius was, um, was favorable to them and that he, he asked them to com- complete a search, to, to go through and, and search the, the other decrees that were, were previously made. So, um, and the request was initiated in Judea, which is referred to um, referred to as Babylon. Babylon. Um, the answer found in the records from from a remote city of I'm not even going to read the name. No, Akmetha. Um, all this gave the builders lots of time to continue the work because they did not stop through the inquiry process. So, um, so as they inquired, you know, on Daria, to Darius, you know, again, like I said, you know. They, they were able to do that whole time do the work but at the same time again they knew that God was God's hand was in it they you know they trusted that that what that the word that came to them was his word was <coughs> was, was from the Lord so um, you know I think it's a good a good example of you know how we can you know we can trust when we hear from God you know we need to follow you know the leading that that he's giving us. So, and and that can be it can be hard sometimes, but um, but it's a good example here um, of how they you know trusted in, in God and, and knew that His hand was 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 upon them and was uh, going to provide a favorable answer from the king. So, um, so then and we get to you know chapter uh, verse six or uh, chapter six verses three through five. Um, and uh, I'm just going to read that. Uh, in the first in the first year of King Cyrus, the king issued a decree concerning the temple of God in Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt as a place to present sacrifices, and let its foundations be laid. It is to be sixty cubits high and sixty cubits wide, with three courses of large stones and one of timbers. The costs are to be paid by royal treasury by the royal treasury. Also, the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, are to be returned to their places in the temple in Jerusalem. They are to be deposited in the house of God. Not only did Cyrus give permission for the temple to be rebuilt, um, but he commanded the funding of the work from the royal treasury. So that was, I thought that was pretty cool. That was a good deal. I, I thought that was a pretty good deal. You know? Um, we all know probably what our political views are in today's day and age. You know, I don't know that I'd trust a lot of a lot of government to come in and provide much of anything. But you know, back then, you know, hey, they they took it and they ran with it. So, and they had a favorable the king decree. Said it was decree. King said it was going to happen, and he made a decree, and a, nobody was going to fight against that. There was no bureaucracy. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the red tape was cut, you yeah. know, so. Everyone didn't get it done, you cut your head off. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and we'll find out later what, you know, kind of what he says here in a little bit, that, you know, he was, he was a, um, he was pretty, when he, when he made a decree, he, he stood behind it pretty strongly, so it was, uh, it's like, and I think, again, we'll read it in a little bit here, but, um. He uh, he didn't he didn't take it lightly when when he made a decree. So, 
Um, and I'm just going to read a quote here for you. That there is some question about the size of the temple as mentioned here because these dimensions are greater than even Solomon's temple. The best answer is that Cyrus gave the limits of what they could build instead of the actual dimensions of the new structure. He did not command them to make it so large, to make it so large, for he left the ordering of the pro, uh, proportions of the building to their skill and choice. But he rest, he restrained them that they should make it no larger, lest they should hear, hereafter make use of it to other purposes against himself. So you know, I mean, he, he said, "Make it this big, but don't make it any bigger, because you know we don't, you know, we don't want you to." You don't want you to, you know, gain too much power here. You know, think to, uh, think you're, you know, rise up and again, you know, it's, <coughs> he's a politician. You know, he wanted to maintain control over, you know, whatever he could, even though he was, you know, um, he, he he they had favor with him. He's still, again, st- still a politician. He's going to try to maintain control. He's the king. You know, so. But uh, but really gave him kind of just said, you know, you can make it at least this big, no more, but, you know, so I'll have at it, do whatever you want, which, you know, was a pretty significant uh, significant structure in, of it, in and of itself. So, so it wasn't going to be anything like Solomon's Temple, though. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, I, th- I think it was smaller. It ended up being, being um, smaller in size. Um, but, but I don't... You know, from what, from what, you know, the study shows and you know, and the, the different research and stuff like that. I mean, and, and just reading the word. I mean, obviously, they didn't have the resources either that they did in Solomon's time. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, you know, I mean, if if you make it into modern day equivalent of five to eight billion dollars, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty good structure. I mean, how many different Dallas Cowboy stadiums yeah. is that? Wow. <laughs> That's about, about five, five to eight Dallas Cowboy stadiums, you know? That's like, isn't it, wasn't it about a billion dollars? Or New Wembley was like a billion, billion two. Billion, or billion, billion yeah. yeah. So, that's kind of cool, so. I mean, you think of that, I mean, that, that's big. So, and they had the biggest, they have the biggest, uh, uh, largest screen, uh, big screen uh, TV in the, in the NFL, so. So, I wonder if they had a big screen TV back then. Hmm? Probably not? Okay. No, anyway. <laughs> All right. So then we go on, uh, and then we're, you know, still in, obviously, still in chapter 6, uh, verses 6 through through 12. Um, and it talks about the decree um, and, uh, and how, you know, how Darius uh, went through and, and uh, you know, said that, you know, basically that if anybody goes against this decree they're you know in big trouble so I just want to read uh, um, let's read from from chapter 11 or verse 11 it says furthermore I decree that if anyone defiles this edict a beam is to be pulled from their house and they are to be impaled on it <laughs> and for this crime their house is to be made a pile of rubble may God who has caused his name to dwell there, overthrow any king or people who lifts a hand to change this decree or to destroy this temple in Jerusalem. I, Darius, have decreed it. Let it be carried out with diligence. Sounds pretty harsh. <laughs> it's like, he meant business. He's like, 
you know, I, I made this decree, and you better not, you know, I, I don't know that I want to, uh, I think of the beam in my house, you know, that goes through, and the, you know, some big metal beam that goes through the basement, you know, and whatever. can't imagine being impaled by that. I think it would hurt. Hey, speaking of uh, temples, the yeah. Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, is that part of Solomon's temple, or this one? Anybody know? Maybe you're a historian. Oh, no, no. It's actually a third temple. It's Herod's temple. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a good foundation question. Wall. It's not the temple. It's actually the foundation, so it's... You've the, been there, haven't you? I've been there. So it's not Solomon's wall there? No, it's actually the foundation that was built with Herod's temple. Hmm. Was Solomon's temple built on that same site? I think so. They all kind of were in the same... Same spot. But there was no stone left after the Babylonians went and destroyed it, so there was nothing left to build on. So they started from scratch with this temple. And I don't know if Herod built on this temple. I thought it was a newer temple because hmm. I thought the. But. So why do they wail at the wall of Herod then? Herod's temple. Well, it's still the temple. It's yeah. still the temple, what yeah. they consider to be the, the Jewish temple. Herod was the king who rebuilt it when when he was governor of Israel. So there's the three temple. temples in Well, it would be yeah, Solomon's. Right. And then this one? Yep. Time for Ezra. And then, and then Herod. Yeah. Herod. And I don't know what happened be- Time from, from this temple to Herod, but I know Herod rebuilt the temple and it was actually not as splendid as Solomon's but more splendid than this one. Mm-hmm. So they can build another one then by the end times? So we have a fourth temple that goes in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Revelation says there is going to be Okay, so I'm going to have to write check for Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah? yeah? Well, there's, there's verses that seem to suggest that, yes. It doesn't talk a whole lot about it. Yeah. Okay, so I No, no, that's good. I don't mind rabbit trails. It's good. I like chasing bunnies. <laughs> All right. Uh, so based. At, uh, let's see. No, 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 no. So yeah. So I mean, it, it, just to go back, uh, you know, obviously he, you know, Darius commanded um, the the work to continue um, without interruption. I mean, clearly. Clearly, he's he's meant business. Yeah, he meant business, and, he, and he's favoring. I mean, he, you know, quotes, you know, may God who, who caused his name to dwell there. I mean, I mean, he don't, he gets it. You know, he, he knows what's going on. So, I wonder if he was a little bit annoyed that the original decree was. Um, yeah, it didn't last. And yeah, but well, I think it's interesting. You know, when you look at it, um, you know, he must have found. The decree that came forth from was it Artaxerxes, you know, that said stop, you know, and uh, and whatnot, and and then he, you know, he says yeah, go ahead and keep going, kind of thing. So, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously God was again. I mean, it just kind of seems like from what he's saying that there's a little bit of resentment, like like you should honor what the previous kings decreed yeah. and uh, yeah. That what what was done to put a stop to it mm-hmm. originally it was probably not 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 something he would have endorsed. True. Yeah. No, that's probably. He, I mean, he even says that any kings 
back to see if there's it says anything specific about yeah I don't I don't see anything that but yeah it, it, it very well could be that he was you know annoyed with that or, or whatnot but you know and maybe trying to you know go back to you know what the original decrees were and maybe but also maybe trying to make his mark I don't know you know <laughs> so um, but he recognized the um, what the elders of the Jews recognized that it was essential to build the temple upon its old foundation. So, kind of, kind of based on what we were just talking about about the you know where the, where the temples were located. It'd be pretty amazing they could actually build it for us someday, but then you know something's really happening. Yeah, well, I saw something before where they could actually fit a certain size temple on right between such and such and the Temple of the Mount or the uh, Islamic thing there. Don't the rock, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but um, only time will tell, I guess. Huh? So, um, so through this, you know, through this whole thing, we, you know, again, we see, you know, we see the wonderful hand of God at work, um, you know, with the objections raised by Tetanai and the couple other dudes that I can't remember I'm gonna take the extent <laughs> pronounce their names but um uh I always love the Old Testament names can we just John and Mark and Matthew I mean it's just so easy in the New Testament but now we've got Chef Shefnar Bozenai mm-hmm. as recorded in Ezra 5.3 um and the, and the end result of the uh, the objections earlier was to further the work of God instead of hindering it uh, it's an example of God working all things together for good of his people. Um, and on, on the point that Kinder gives, he quotes a line from William Kalpner, Kalper, uh, a poem that says, The clouds which ye so much dread are big with mercy. So, I just, you know, it's, it's interesting that, you know, here they, you know, they tried to hinder the work of God and, and whatnot, but again, not to overemphasize, but I don't think we can overemphasize the point that God's hand was in it. You know, He was. It was. It was His will clearly to have this happen and to um, to have this this temple rebuilt and whatnot. So, um, you know, those that try to stand against God are uh, slightly foolish. Okay, they're really foolish. <laughs> it's going to happen. You know. Um, Impale him with a beam. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> God didn't say it, but you know, he maybe put it in Darius's heart. I don't know. I'm kidding, but um, anyway, uh, and then the the part that says, "And pray for the life of the king and his sons." Um, that's in goes again goes back in uh, in chapter in later chapter. There's later verses there. Um, and explains part of the uh, motivation of the of King Darius. Not only did he base his decision on the precedent of King Cyrus, but he also wanted the prayers of the Jewish people for for the king and his sons. So, you know, he he 
clearly saw that the you know the Israelites were God's people. God's chosen people, and the hand of God was on them and with them and whatnot. And you know, just kind of like yeah, 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 I like I like a little something of that, some of that too. You know, uh, you know, I want a little pumpkin latte. You know? So <laughs> give me a little of that. You know, so um, so he, you know, right or wrong, I mean, I, I think it's. You know, hey, covet, covet your prayers. You know, it says in the in the New Testament. You know that we should we should covet covet the prayers. So, and then he says, let it be done diligently. Uh, at the end of it all, the king of the of the mightiest empire on the earth commanded the temple be finished by the returned exiles and funded by the empire. Again, I mean, just just amazing that you know that you know here. Have, you know, have at it. Here's here's the funding. Here's everything. You know, oh yeah. By the way, return all that gold too. You know, and they talk about how much gold it was. It was you know several tons. You know, um, and uh, and whatnot. And so that was a big deal. That was a, that was a really big deal. That it was, you know, uh, here they tried to tried to thwart it, and you know, even though they waited a long time to continue the work, it continued. You know, um, so and we think a lot of times, you know, the, the the plan of God. You know, if we if we get detoured, you know, oh, that's it, we're done. You know, whatever. But somehow, some way, God has a funny way of, you know, bringing us back. You know, off of that detour and and getting us back on the path where we should be going. So, and sometimes that detour is, you know, is necessary for us to, you know, talk a little bit about it the other day and you know sometimes those detours you know teach us some things and uh you know maybe the israelites needed to go through some of that to to teach them stuff some stuff i don't know it's you know it's not all written there but i'm guessing i'm betting that you know there was some stuff in between there that they had that they learned they had to learn and kind of get some things straight you know so reading into it that's the that's the nlv that's the new logan version so um, anyway, uh, and then it uh, it talks about I, I, and I always like how they how they can, you know, can bring it back to other other references in the Bible and whatnot too. You know to kind of you know support the you know what's what's happening and whatnot. But in, in Proverbs twenty one one it says, "The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, like the rivers of water; he turns it wherever he wishes." So uh, you know. It's just a supporting, supporting verse that you know, God, God can make things happen, and He can, He can, put it on people's hearts to do certain things and and to move certain ways, and you know, and to you know, again, kind of brought it back off of that detour, back from you know that long period of you know when Cyrus said stop, and you know, and they continued again, so that's pretty cool, uh, and then. Um, and we jump to uh, verse 13 and where we find the completion and the dedication of the temple and I'm going to go ahead and read that 13 through 15 and says then because of the decree of uh, then because of the decree King Darius had sent Tetnai governor of Trans Euphrates and Shethar Bozani and their associates carried it out with diligence just as he had said, right? Do it with diligence. 
So the elders of the Jews continued to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai the prophet and, and Zechariah, a descendant of, is it uh, Ido? 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 Um, they finished building the temple according to the command of the God of Israel and the decree of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, kings of Persia. The temple was completed on the third day of the month uh, Adar in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Um, and then there, I want to read a quote from Kidner. Uh, it says, The political motives for this um, forthrightness may have been many, including a desire to show respect for the policies of Cyrus and to promote stability in a part of the empire which was important for communication with Egypt at a time when widespread unrest had only recently been quelled. So that might be, you know, that kind of goes back to your question about was he, was he, you know, was he irritated or, you know, kind of with the previous, I don't know, maybe, and, and he's suggesting that, um, you know, maybe it was uh, out of respect to, for the for the previous decrees, you know, and whatnot. So, um, and that, you know, in fact, that the decree that told him to stop in the beginning really probably was, like you say, you know, probably was, well, it was wrong, obviously, but, um, but uh, anyway, uh, and then, it, you know, and where it, it says that they proposed through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah, the words and personal ministry of these post-exilic prophets was an important component in the success of the work. The work and the workers were genuinely strengthened by the word of God through these prophets. So, um, you know, it was important that, to continue that as they as they continued the work, as they continued to build the temple, and and uh, you know, upon completion and whatnot, it was it was obviously critical for for the word of God to continue and to, to encourage them and to keep keep moving forth and to you know that oh we're done. Good, you know, good show, everybody. All right, way to go! Woo, high five, everybody going, and you know, and then, you know, and then they start doing whatever they did before that brought them into exile in the first place. You know, <laughs> um, so uh, you know, it was it was good that they had the prophets there at the time to continue to encourage and to continue to bring forth the word of the God, the word of the Lord, and um, that uh, you know they didn't fall back into their old ways. Um, it says the temple was finished on the third day of the month of, of I don't know if it's Adar, Adar, which is which was the six, uh, which was in the sixth year. This means that it took four years from the resumption of construction. It was such a big job that even with all doing the work diligently, it was not quickly completed. So four years yeah, maybe doesn't seem like a lot, but when you know they can throw something up and you know a. Th- six months to a year here, you know, a, a big, large structure. I talk about the Dallas Cowboy Stadium, you know, you can throw something, I don't know how long it took them to build that. year and a half, maybe. I don't know. But, um, you know, in comparison, it, you know, it, it seems like a long, seems like a long time, but um, those things don't, back then particularly, didn't get completed. And, uh, they didn't have the machines like we do either. All right. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're doing it all by hand. So, um, I mean, they had some, obviously, their own technology and, and what to make it easier, but it wasn't, you know, to grab this big crane and, you know, move things and, oh, that, yeah, that section of the building's in place, you know. So um, just thought that was, that was interesting to, to know. Um, 
and then uh, the mention of uh, the mention of Artaxerxes, who belongs who belongs to the next century, takes us forward to the restoration of the of the city walls by Nehemiah, which this king authorized. His name, as the third royal patron of Israel's rehabilitation, is added here to complete the picture, whether by the author or by by an early scribe. Any thoughts on that, there, Mister? Uh, theologian <laughs> so it's that interesting interesting point I just uh, quote by Kidner so um, anyway are we, I'm sorry going slow is it okay okay any questions or comments or snappy answers as Pastor John says on anything yet so far <laughs> observations did, how many of you actually read the whole thing first? All of Ezra. All of it. Yeah, Ezra. No? You did read it through? Yeah. All through? Before? Okay. Anybody else? I got through about half I mean, not, not that, you know, I'm not taking, keeping count. I'm just curious. We're good. Okay. So. Actually, I listened to it because it makes it a lot easier to get all the names right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he, he should be our pronunciation guide then. Who's that? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you know how to pronounce the names, go ahead and help. You know, you can you can speak them out. That's fine. Well, it's not like I'm going to remember all. Of them. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, they, they they can get kind of kind of crazy. Anyway, so we continue uh, then in uh, in verse sixteen, uh, verses sixteen through uh, eighteen. Um, and the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the exiles celebrated the de- dedication of the house of God with joy. For the dedication of this house of God, they offered a hundred bulls, 200, 200 rams, 400 male lambs, and as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, one for each of the, 12, of the tribes of Israel. And they installed the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their groups for the service of God at Jerusalem, according to what is written in the book of Moses. So the celebrate celebrated the dedication, the house of God with joy. There was a previous celebration many years before at the founding of the second temple, Ezra, which is noted in Ezra three. Uh, this was the celebration for the finishing of a functioning temple. And the word for dedication, I thought was pretty interesting. The word for dedication, Hanukkah, was later to become the name of a festival in memory of the temple's re-consecration in 165 B.C. after its, after its uh, prof- profanation by Antiochus uh, Epiphanes. So, interesting, the word dedication, Hanukkah. So, um, I just thought that was kind of, kind of an interesting point. So, um, And he says, as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats... Uh, it was a confession of failure, but also faith. There was still atonement and still the covenant with the whole people, for this was the implication of 12 sacrifices. So, um, you know, just the 12 obviously was, 12 was obviously a, a significant number. Um, 12 tribes of Israel, you know, just signifying, you know, the, the, the uh, kind of the, Rejoining of Israel as as it as it was as it should have been. So and, and recognizing, you know, um, you know the twelve tribes that that you know Israel had regathered, and that there was a real sense that they were they were 
the collaborative product of all 12 tribes again. Um, they were not 10 or any other number lost tribes. You know, they were, you know, kind of that that completion again of, of the 12 tribes. So, um, so significance in that in that number. So, and of course, then it talks about the Passover and and um, you know how they how they celebrated that and, and uh, they were they were caref- they were careful careful to keep the Passover um, again now that the, the temple was complete and um, uh, they were back in you know kind of in that completion um, as a, as a you know completed group of people of Israel so um, you know they were careful to, to keep the Passover and, and the um, you know the, the I guess the traditions of, of what that means you know and how, how they um, celebrate that um, they, they slaughtered the Passover lambs for all the descendants of, of the captivity and it says in this we see that the, uh, the people themselves did not sacrifice the Passover lambs rather the priests did, did this for them um, and it goes on just to talk about how there was not an absolute custom for that and sometimes the people did it sometimes the priests did it and you know whatever so um, but in this case um, you know it was it was it was the priest that did it so um, maybe a sign that or a, um, not necessarily a sign but a, you know a celebration of that hey you know we're, we're kind of setting things back in uh, emotion the way that we originally were intended to to be celebrating the Passover and whatnot so um, and then uh, um it talks about the, in the verses that the children of Israel who returned from captivity ate together with all who had separated themselves from the filth of the nations and the land in order to seek the Lord God of Israel. This is a crucial verse for correcting the impression one might gain from Ezra 4, 1 through 3 of a bitterly exclusive party. In reality, we find that only the self-excluded were unwelcome. That's what I think that's, that's a kind of a an interesting point that you know the self-excluded were those that were unwelcome. So um, it was those that decided to not partake. Those were the ones that were unwelcome. It wasn't because they told them they couldn't partake. It was just they were self-excluding themselves. Um, and the convert, the convert found an open door as Rahab and Ruth had done. That was a quote by Kidner. And of course, joy. I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you guys were able to see uh, see any of the videos from our mission trip on uh, uh, to Romania, but uh, it just kind of reminds me of um, when we, um, as we were meeting or whatnot, we just all of a sudden they'd have these what I what I termed spontaneous joy outbreaks. And uh, some of the some of the kids would get up and they'd start playing the piano, and all of a sudden everybody just start dancing. And it was just, it was just, and everybody was you know happy and dancing, and just I mean it was just it was really cool to see. And so I kind of that's kind of how I imagine it, you know. They just just broke out into you know dancing and singing and worshiping God, and and uh, you know just it was just a joyous occasion that they they were uh, you know. Um, you know, kind of back to, you know, kind of the way the way it was supposed to be, you know, so to speak. So, um, anyway, and it's uh, so ends the first first stage 
a generation long of Israel's rehabilitation. It has opened when the Lord it has opened when the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, and it concluded with his turning the heart of one of the of, of that king's most powerful successors. Um, so, um, obviously, things are things are in place. It's going good. Everything's great. Hunky dory. Temple's done. Joy's restored. That the roar isn't restored. I don't want to say that. You know, it's. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's a it's a good thing, and every you know everybody's uh, and things seem to be going going in the right direction. Um, and then comes Ezra onto the scene. Um, Ezra comes to Jerusalem in chapter seven. Uh, I'm just, I'm going to go ahead and read that from chapter. Chapter seven, verse one. I'm just I'll go through verse. Just go through verse ten. That's what I've got. So it says, after these things, during the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, son of <laughs> Sariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of all those guys. It's a bunch of dudes that he's a son of. Um, Uh, This Ezra came up from Babylon I'm in verse 6 now He was a teacher well versed in the law of Moses Which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given The king had granted him everything he asked For the hand of the Lord, his God, was on him Some of the Israelites, including priests, Levites, musicians, gatekeepers, and temple servants Also came up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes uh, and then uh, verse 8, Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in the fifth month of the seventh year of the king. He had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month, and he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month, for the gracious hand of his God was on him. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to, the teaching, and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. So, um, Ezra was one of the later Jews who returned uh, from the captivity. He was, you know, some of the Jews had already returned, but then now another group comes. You know, another, another, another bunch of them come back, and and Ezra's with them, leading that charge and whatnot. And so, you know, obviously he was one of the later uh, later Jews who returned uh, from the captivity um, in Judea and in, in Jerusalem, or to Judea and Jerusalem, um, and. Uh, you know, obviously that first return was a great one, but um, there were, there were many many others I had returned after that. What? Oh, I'm, I was waving at the oh. as they were going by. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Did I say something funny? Anyway, um, and then a, a quote from Kidner says his name stands very high. Uh, his name Ezra um, stands very high in Jewish tradition, where he came to be regarded as a second Moses, and indeed it was he more than any other man who stamped Israel with, with its lasting character as the people of a, of a book. So, um, so I, in their tradition, obviously, you know, Ezra's, you know, even though it's a, it's a little book, you know, that we have in our, in our uh, context here, in our Bible, but, uh, you know, it was a, it was a, he, he was a significant, made a significant impact on the, on the uh, Israelites and, and the, the 
nation of Israel. So highly regarded, um, and um, we'll see in a minute here. You know what what kinds of kinds of things he he did to uh, kind of gain that. Go ahead. When you read through the list of names, yeah, the last one you know listed was uh, Aaron. Uh, and so yep. you know, he's, yep. he's back yep. doing what he should have been doing in the first place. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if everything had gone yeah. to, you know, he would have been a part of that priesthood and and in there doing what he ends up doing anyway. Right. So, right. So he was by right, you know, there because that was his lineage. Yeah, no, that's good. Thanks for picking that up. Um yeah, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, you know, about the detour. You know, I got kind of, you know, always kind of somehow has a funny way of bringing that back, you know, from the detour. So I don't know if anyone can relate to that, but I think I can. Um, what's that? We watched too much cartoons. Oh, we saw Phineas in there. Oh, Phineas! Yeah, I saw that too. I was gonna, I was gonna, I thought that's what you were gonna say, but I, Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Phineas and Ferb? Is that a, Oh yeah. So anyway, I, I noticed that too, but I didn't. I didn't say anything either. But it's funny. Far too spiritual to notice that. <laughs> you don't watch enough cartoons. Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> it's all over Netflix. So, um, so Ezra was uh, considered a, considered a scribe at the time, also, but um, you know, scribes were were important and influential, um, and one might say that they, they had three main duties. Uh, it was to preserve the Word of God, to teach the Word of God, and to administrate the Word of God in the sense of interpreting and applying it. So clearly that describes Ezra and kind of what he does, you know, um, and, you know, what, what the verses prior what, that we read, you know, kind of describes, kind of puts that all in a nutshell, you know, what... what yeah, it was kind of his job description, right? So that was that was uh, that was what he signed up for. Well, that was what he was called to. Okay, um, but to preserve the word of God, to teach the word of God, and to administrate the word of God in the sense of interpreting and applying it. Um, so, and by the time, and we, you know, we, we look at scribes, you know, throughout time or throughout, you know, from Old Testament to New Testament, obviously. You know, scribes were uh, a little different positionally, you know, in the New Testament. Um, you know, Ezra, as a scribe, says he was highly regarded. You know, he, he, he had a clear, uh, just say, a clear job description, you know. And clearly he, he was uh, doing what God had called him to do, and it was he took it seriously and whatnot. But by the time Jesus, by the time of Jesus, there were many scribes, and they were they were respected as lawyers of the law of God among most of the Jews of, of that time. However, they had de- uh, um, they had degenerated greatly from the ideal originally established by Ezra, so much so that they were active opponents of Jesus and his ministry and targets of his rebukes, which we can read in Matthew. So, um, you know, we're probably all familiar with you know. Woe to you, scribes, and woe to you, you know, that kind of thing and whatnot. I mean, obviously, something changed from from Ezra's time to, to uh, you know, to the time of Jesus. So, interesting that, you know, how things can uh, change over time and, and 
you know, traditions kind of can be lost a little bit there. So, and not saying that tradition is always good, but um, anyway. Um, so then King Artaxerxes um, sends a letter to Ezra in chapter 11. Um, 11. I'm sorry, 7. Did I, say, did I jump to 7? Yeah, I'm sorry. We're at 7, yeah. 7, yep. Verse 11. Verse 11, I'm sorry. I'm bad. There is no chapter 11. Um, so if you're searching for it, I apologize. <laughs> not, um, it says do not add or take away, and that that's not what I'm trying to do here. I don't know. Don't strike me down. <clears throat> um, so verse 11 uh, talks about the, the King Artaxerxes' letter to Ezra. And it gives them a copy. Um, and it, it might be good just to kind of read the, the letter itself. Um, and then we can talk about it. So it says now, and I'm going to jump to, uh, to uh, verse 13. It says, Now I decree that any of the Israelites in my kingdom, including priests and Levites, who volunteer to go to Jerusalem with you, may go. You are sent by the king and his seven advisors to inquire about Judah and Jerusalem with regard to the law of your God, which is in your hand. Moreover, you are to take with you the silver and the gold that the king and his advisors have freely given to the God of Israel, whose dwelling is in Jerusalem, together with all the silver and gold you may obtain from the province of Babylon, as well as the freewill offerings of the people and priests for the temple of their God in Jerusalem. With this money, be sure to buy, buy bulls, rams, and male lambs together with their grain offerings and drink offerings and sacrifice them on the altar of the temple of your God in Jerusalem. So Ezra the priest, the scribe, uh, the expert in the words of the commandments of the Lord, um, was indeed more than a glorified secretary or copyist. He was a well-trained expert in the word of God. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, and, and the, clearly the king understood this. He saw it. He knew it. He recognized. He knew. He knew what Ezra's job description said as well. You know. So, so he um, kind of commissioned him to uh, take those things with him, and uh, you know, said, you know, be sure to be sure to you know buy these things, you know, for the temple. Um, uh, and in reference to who volunteer to go up to Jerusalem. Um, Artaxerxes hoped to encourage others to go with Ezra to increase this chance of his success and to strengthen, <coughs> strengthen the province of Judah. So, again, you know, here you see, you know, you see the king. You know, I kind of go back to that verse in Proverbs, you know, how the Lord moves the, you know, the, the, this is the new L, the NLV, how the king, the, the Lord moves the hand of the king, you know, and, and moves on, on, the, on his heart and, 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 um, and um, will put things on his, on his heart to do. And so I think that's pretty clear that that's what, what's happening here. You know, God is moving, moving on the king to, you know, send Ezra forth, send him loaded, you know, with lots of good stuff, and uh, sends a bunch of folks with him. Say, hey, you know, every, you know, everybody, go with them, you know, volunteers. So um, uh, let's, let's see. Quote by Kidner, um, the vessels... May have been some uh, the vessels may have been some which had been overlooked when the captured vessels were restored by Cyrus, but it is just as likely uh, that they were uh, a goodwill gift, newly presented. So talking about how 
um, you know, the things that he sent with him. Um, there's, you know, whether it was whether it was what was what was captured at the time of exile, or if it was newly, he's he's suggesting that. Um, but it's you know it's it's just as likely that it was a it was a goodwill gift to send with him, um, and not necessarily what was captured during the exile. So, um, just a just a point to kind of think about that you know could could go either way. So, and if it was a goodwill offering, I mean, to me that's even that's even cooler. You know, it's like you know the king king saying, hey, here's a here's a bunch of you know a uh, bunch of stuff that that we want to send with you. So. Anyway, eight o'clock, eight thirty, eight o'clock. Okay. Probably not. <laughs> That's all right. What's that? I'm laughing. You're laughing. <laughs> so, anyway, um, and then uh, in the verse it says, "Whatever, whatever more may be needed for the house of God." At, um, this is eighteen now through twenty-two. Um, whatever more may be needed for the house of God. Dot, 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 pay for it from the king's treasury. Um, and Artaxerxes was very generous to Ezra in the work in Jerusalem, allowing him to draw on the king's treasury for whatever he needed. But at the same time, he also he also said, "Be careful." You know, told, told Ezra to kind of be careful how you spend it. You know, we want you know, so you know, still, you know, still kind of watching out for him and making sure that you know it's not he doesn't just whatever take it for himself. You know. Load it up and didn't buy himself a new house or whatever, you know. But it's, uh, <laughs> you know, careful that, you know, you spend it. I, and maybe it was, maybe it was because he knew that, you know, that this could be, uh, you know, not a good thing, uh, you know, if you kind of defile the temple of God in a way, you know, that you take this this offering and you know, as like as the as the, you know, offering basket goes by, you know, you. You, you, you know, you're supposed to put the money in, not take it out. So, um, you know, so hopefully none of us have done that. I don't know. <laughs> Deb, Deb keeps count, so she knows, right? That's why they have us put them in envelopes, so we don't do that. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, she does it every week. Well, that's how John gets paid. Yes, <laughs> that's right. So anyway. Um, so anyway, he's you know he, obviously you know he, he tells him be careful to buy certain things with the money and, and, and treat it um, respectfully and whatnot. So the the offering respectfully, um, and then in verse twenty twenty three through twenty six, um, I think is is I think even cooler. It says uh, whatever the God of heaven has has prescribed, let it be done with diligence. Again, you know, for the temple of Temple of the God of Heaven. Why should His wrath fall on the realm of the King and of His sons? You are also to know that you have no authority to impose taxes, tribute, or duty on any of the priests, Levites, musicians, gatekeepers, temple servants, or other workers at this house of God. And you, Ezra, in accordance with the wisdom of your God, which you possess, appoint magistrates and judges to administer justice to all the people of Trans Euphrates. All who know the law, laws of your God, and you are to teach any who, didn't, who do not know them. Whoever does not obey the law of your God and the law of the king must surely be punished by death. 
banishment, confiscation of property, or imprisonment. So, I mean, he pretty much covers it. Pretty much covers the gamut, you know? I mean, one way or the other, you know, it's not going to be a good thing for you. But I think it's interesting that in that first part, from 23 to 24, you know, it's, it talks about, you know, basically, um, you know, that you know, they aren't going to impose taxes or tributes or duties or anything like that um, on the temple. I mean, I like, whereas, you know, before that was one of the concerns, you know, that that, that was one of the... Um, the arguments that was made during the opposition of of the of the rebuilding was that you know oh you're not gonna you're not gonna get taxes and you know and yet you know so and so you're gonna lose power or whatever and then here the king says you know they aren't gonna be taxed you know so kind of a turnaround there you know and uh, and it makes me think of New Testament too you know where when Jesus comes in and turns over the tables you know there they were defiling the temple. Um, and you know, imposing all kinds of who knows what kind of fees and monetary, you know, uh, types of things in the, in the temple on the people, you know, and, and turning it into a, you know, what they call it, a den of thieves or whatever, and and so it's kind of you know, kind of a, kind of interesting how you know you go from here, you know, and then the king saying no taxes, no tributes, no duties, you know, whatever, and you know. Uh, and again, you know, New Testament times, you know, things things kind of changed a little bit. So, and you know, Jesus takes that into his hands, you know, into his own hands, and and turns over the tables and runs about. But um, anyway, just interesting that uh, um, he says, you know, set set magistrates and judges. Um, Artaxerxes gave Ezra significant authority in the civil administration of the provinces. Which is the region beyond the river? We call it the region beyond the river. So, so he was kind of giving them some authority there, you know, to in civil matters, which was, you know, a politician, you know. I mean, he's, you don't kind of don't expect that, you know. But um, you know, he was obviously a trusted um, person, and, and uh, you know, he was giving them some, you know, gave them all the stuff to go, and then you know, gives them that kind of that authority as well. Um, so. Kind of gave him, you know, this kind of it gave him tax exempt status. So there we are. We're the church. We have tax exempt status. It's just carried over from from the time of Ezra. Makes sense, you know. So, so <laughs> what's that? For now. For now. For now. <laughs> so, so anyway, do we have time? We can. Yeah, we have time. Let's get into chapter eight. So. Um, I termed chapter 8, or at least the first part of chapter 8. Um, you can skip the family leaders. 8, 1 through 14. I just named it A Bunch of Dudes Return with Ezra. <laughs> so, that cover it? Yep. All right. You can write that in your notes if you're taking it. A Bunch of Dudes Return with Ezra. <laughs> so, that's my, that's my... That's, again, the NLV. So, um, anyway... And then you pick it up at 15, you know, the return to Jerusalem. It talks about how they uh, assembled them. Is and, Ezra writing this the first person then? I? Um, I suppose so. Okay, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it's... Uh, I don't know if, they, if it... They really make note of it in previous if... What what person it is, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm assuming that would be uh, Ezra. Um writing in it first person. So he says, I assembled them at canal that flows toward Brian. 
Ahava, and we camped there three days. When I checked among the people and the priests, I found no Levites there. So I summoned Eliezer, Ariel, uh, Shemaiah, and all those other guys. Um, a bunch of dudes. Who were, there's Nathan. There's L. Nathan. Who were men of learning. And I ordered them to go to Edo. Edo? Is that an I? Edo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Edo. The leader in... That guy, that place. Casafia. I told them uh, what to say to Edo and his fellow, fellow Levites, the temple servants of... Casafia, right? Is that what you have to say at Libby? Are there are there other linguists? Yes. All right. So, <laughs> so they might bring attendance to us for the house of our God. Because the gracious hand of our God was on us, they brought us uh, Sherebiah, a capable man from the descendants of Mali, the son of Levi, the son of Israel, and Sherebiah's sons and brothers in all. And... Hashabiah, together with, oh my goodness, Jeshiah, from the descendants of Merari, and his brothers and nephews in all. They also brought 220 of the temple servants, a body that David and the officials had established to assist the Levites. All were registered by name. Whew. Try to read that fast ten times, right? Uh, so Ezra planned carefully in the, Le- in, in the Levite recruitment effort. Uh, he specifically chose the recruiters, nine leaders, and two men of understanding to make the appeal as persuasive as possible. Then he carefully instructed the recruiters as to what they should say and directed them who specifically to make the appeal to, to Edo and his brethren. Indeed, the good hand of our God was upon the recruitment effort, but it was also upon the planning of it. So, um, you know, he saw the importance of it. He wanted to recruit the right people, get get you know, get the right folks in there, and and uh, you know, make the make the the appeal to them. So, um, obviously, that was an, an important um, point to to Ezra to make sure that they had the right folks um, in the right places. At the right times, right? Okay. Um, and then in verse twenty-one uh, through twenty-three, uh, uh, just talks about how Ezra had previously expressed great confidence in the hand of God upon him and his expeditions. So this is where, you know, he's he's uh, I'm talking about um, in twenty verse twenty-two. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from en- from enemies on the road, because we had told the king. The gracious hand of our God is, a, is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all for who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. So, um, obviously he previously expressed great confidence in the hand of God upon him in his expedition. He didn't want to contradict these prior words with his later actions in asking the king for an escort of soldiers and horsemen. But there was real danger. You know, and there was real need for protection for you know physically, um, because there was a constant threat of robbers, robbers and bandits, especially because they were transporting so many valuables. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're, they got a lot of stuff with them. <laughs> I remember reading this at first, and they you know, go, "Oh, Dory King, our God protects us." And then you finally realize, yes, yeah. 
Oh. Oh, I have to make a safe route. Yeah, which which he was, and he says, I'm, I'm in, you know, he no, says, I'm going to get off where he can chew it away. Yeah. But he kind of, so. He says, I was ashamed to ask, you know, right. for that, because, you know, he previously pronounced that, hey, God's going to protect us, you know, he's going to take care of us, we're good, and, you know, woo uh, then you realize. Yeah, it's, wait a minute. Time out here. <laughs> um, Might just give it us an escort. I uh, never. I mean, I know what I said previously, but you know, you know, I know there, there's people out there that are waiting to to pillage and plunder. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Doesn't mean that they won't they won't try, right? So, um, so anyway, um, God did protect them, obviously, and because they're they're you know. Dependence upon him and and whatnot. So, um, you know, I, it's a point to be taken. But you know, they needed they they needed the the, the protection of the for the physical stuff too. Like say, you know, God protect them, but not necessarily their possessions. Well, he probably would, but and he did, but just for extra safety. So, just in case. yeah, just in case. Um, and then they fasted, it says. They put their, their holy resolution into execution. Purpose without practice, this is a quote, purpose without practice is like Rachel, beautiful but barren. So, you know, in other words, you know, for lack of a better term, practice what you preach kind of thing, you know, and put it, put things into practice. So, you know, if you if we get it, gain all this understanding and this knowledge and whatever, but we don't ever apply it, you know, it, it it really doesn't go anywhere. You know, um, you know, it's just a bunch of words. So that's uh, kind of what kind of what they're saying there. You know, is or what, what that quote is is indicating that you know purpose without practice is like Rachel, beautiful but barren. So um, so they did. They they put they put uh, um, they put their their faith into into action. They they did what they needed to do. So. Um, and I'm, I'll stop at 24. Probably could press through it, but we'll wait. I'll stop at verse 24, chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 24. So, anyway. Any other comments? Questions? How, how long was this before the time of Jesus? Um, you know, let's see. I don't know if I have that... Particularly, do you know, Greg? Do you have anything in the notes that says this is a while? <laughs> um, that's a good question. I do not know that for sure. Right off the top of my you head, something in your, in it was in the original notes he gave us. Oh, was it? First week. Was it? I might have it here then. If he's, if it was in the first, let's see. One I'm not sure. I thought you said something tonight about well, there 160 was years. 165 BC. Let's see. See if there's any reference. Well, here. Um, the first note says 538 BC. So, ish. So, I don't know if that sounds about right or not. 500 years ish. So, I don't know if that. I don't know if that's. I'd have to look it up for sure, but that's what's that's just based on what I have in the notes here, so